this is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Julie Scott is a self-expansion guide and a feel-good junkie, which essentially means she actively seeks out feeling good in all areas of her life, including mind, body, and spirit. Julie is an author of the book, This Time It's About You, with an exclamation point, as well as a self-empowerment coach. Julie embodies exactly what I am bringing to the Second Wind platform. By asking the question, is this all there is? Please tell me there's something more. Here's a lady who went from blah, feeling and pissed off, to two swimsuit competitions, to successfully writing a book and being a coach. So welcome, Julie Scott, to Second Wind Podcast. Thank you, Wendy. I'm so happy to be here. We're new friends. Because we just, before we could even start recording, we were chatting about all kinds of cool stuff. Mm. We basically drink from the same Kool-Aid fountain and believe all the same stuff. And what you're doing and what you've, as you said, morphed into in your experience of coaching is exactly what Second Wind is all about. I love it. Yeah, you're definitely my people. I can tell. We're, we're <laughs> the people. So I appreciate that. And this is why I love doing what I do. And I wanted to find out, well, for our listeners, mm -hmm. what was that moment? What was that thing? What was your second wind all about? Well, I think the pivotal point for me was really when my marriage kind of blew up. So I found myself, you know, in my early 40s, well, even late 30s, unhappy in a marriage, just, you know, but the, what was really weird about it was that if you looked at my life from the outside, it looked pretty good, right? My life looked good. Like I was married to a handsome man. We had, you know, we had two children from his previous marriage. I was the stepmom. You know, we had a house in Los Angeles. You know, we had three cats. You know, it was like we both had good jobs. We're both making good money. But it was like I just had this underlying hum of just being pissed off. And I couldn't figure out really why I was upset. I was just like, I was just unhappy. And when I started looking closer at it, it wasn't until after I left my husband that I started, you know, looking into what was really going on for me. But I had to blow up my marriage to be able to get myself to a place where I, you know, it was one of those things where I'm like, it was so out of character for me. Like my parents were married for 44 years. I thought I would be married for, you know, I thought this was it. You know, like I didn't get married to get divorced. Right. I mean, so I felt like a failure. Right. And it wasn't until I got past it and gathered myself together again that I realized that I had been pretending to be happy for decades. Like I was such a people pleaser. Like I wanted everyone to like me. I wanted to be the fun chick. I didn't want to be high maintenance. I wanted to just be this easygoing girl that really didn't need anything. But I was taking care of everybody else except for myself. And doing that over time, that was creating that underlying feeling of resentment that I had. And I find that so often with other women who are like me, who have been people pleasers their whole life, it's like they get resentful that the people around them aren't doing what they're doing for them. You know, and it's just that, mm, yeah. that's that situation. You don't realize that you're creating it. It's like, I'm the common denominator <laughs> and that's like, I'm the one creating all of this for myself. And I just had to wake up to recognize that I'm important too. I can make myself a priority in my life. In fact, I should, because that's how I can be the best me for anyone whose lives I touch. So it was a major 
wake up call for me to just figure that out. So you're going along, you're, it sounds like you're humming through life, which I mean, there's many, many women who I'm sure have felt that way. Oh yeah. And actually there's a lady who's coming on the podcast, Lisa Decker, who she came up with Divorce Town USA. She helps people with financial, the financial aspects of divorce. And she says, gray divorce is like the biggest number of divorces come from people over 50. Yeah. And they call it the gray divorce. Oh, wow. And I get, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I have, I have known people. And you wonder, okay, well, you have the house, you have this, you have that. Life has been good. And all of a sudden it's, you blow it up. Why, how do you get to the point where enough is enough? Like, what was it for you that, because making a change is so hard, you know, like. It is. Well, I mean, I know we talked about this a little bit before we hit record, but I had fallen into this role that I would play in any relationship, right? I would try and figure out how I could get to the center of that person's universe so that I could be needed, right? So that they would need me. So it's like, I was always trying to be whatever they wanted me to be so that I could be valuable, so that they would want me, so that they would like me, so that they would love me, so that I would belong. I mean, this is like some of those core things that we need as human beings. It's that feeling of belonging, right? So it's like, and I think it's, you know, it started from when I was a kid, you know, just doing what I was told, even though I didn't want to do it, I did what I was told to get what I wanted, right? I mean, we kind of teach ourselves how to, you know, we teach our kids that. I mean, I know unintentionally, but I mean, I carried it through in my life. But for me, it's like, I didn't really plan on blowing up my marriage, but I ended up having an affair, which was, you know, I was just unhappy. I felt like everything that was important to my husband was important to me, but everything that was important to me was not important to him. And that wore away at me over the years. And it was just like, I, and then I found somebody who treated me the way I wanted to be treated, you know, made me important. And so I migrated to that and had an affair. And then that's when I really felt terrible because that was also very out of character for me. And I thought, who am I? You know, I I can't be a trustworthy partner. I mean, it was just like, it was so crazy. That time in my life, I look back and I'm just like, I don't even know how I pulled myself out of that. Cause I mean, I was in such a dark place. I mean, I was so, I mean, like I was like, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. We've had a few women on this on second wind who said, yeah. And then I had an affair and it almost seems like from my standpoint, listening to you and all of you that had to happen. It's almost like that. That was the catalyst that required you. Right. right. To make, to take action. And it was something so bad that I felt so bad about that I didn't feel worthy to be with him anymore after that. So it was like that spoke for me where I didn't have the strength to say what I really wanted to say. I hadn't been speaking my truth for years. <laughs> so it's not yeah. like you can just flip a switch and do it. It's like, it was like a cry for help to get out of that life that I was in. And it's not like he was a bad person. We're still friends, in fact. Right. You know, it was just that right. we weren't right together. It's like we grew apart and I lost myself in that relationship. In fact, every relationship I lost myself in it. And I just finally, you know, like I said, broke free by doing something that I felt so bad about that I couldn't go back. So I think that's what it was for me. Wow. I couldn't recover yeah. from that. So that makes sense. So before we get into how you took that situation where now you've beating yourself up mm-hmm. about being out of character and doing things that you never thought you would do. And now you're blowing up your marriage, which from the outside looking in is great. And your life is great, as you say. And then you you just blew all the boxes, the things, the lines. And now you're doing these amazing things. Let's go back first. Who Who is Julie Scott? How did you grow up? What do you think you, cause you and I, you came to the conclusion with me that, yeah, this has been my whole life. Yeah. Well, I'm the youngest of four girls. I grew up in upstate New York on a dairy farm. 
So very, very small town. I mean, I think we had less than 500 people in my town, 36 kids in my graduating class. So very, very small town, <laughs> you know, and it's like, and I, I think being the youngest of four girls, I was always being compared to my sisters. Again, my parents did the best that they yeah. can, could, you know, but, you know, it's like there was pressure to be a Scott girl, you know, like I was one of the Scott girls and, mm-hmm. you know, what happens in our house stays in our house. So it was like, I was taught to pretend that everything was peachy, you know, like from a very young age. And so I kept things to myself. We kept things to ourselves as a family. And so everything was very hush hush, you know, about if there was anything awry, it was like, we just kept it to ourselves. And again, it wasn't like I had a traumatic childhood, but I had trauma. Everybody's got trauma that, you know, that's what creates these limiting beliefs in us. Right. But I was really, I'm very different from my sisters. However, my mother would like to make us all the same and we're not. And so I think that was another bit of a struggle for me at growing up is trying to be somebody I wasn't. One thing I know that has been the same for me my entire life is I have always been very open, very optimistic, just a very, pretty much a very happy person, a relatively happy, content person for the most part. So I think to answer your question, I'm an open, optimistic, naturally happy person, which is why I knew something was really wrong when I felt bitter and angry for a long period of time. I'm like, what is going on? I never feel like this. So, so that's who I am. And I'm back to who I am, which is great because this is where I'm meant to be. And I'm, I'm the best being myself rather than trying to pretend to be somebody else. (laughs) It took me a long time to figure that out. (laughs) So I'm really curious when you say, you know, you got to the feeling, I mean, you went to college and where did you meet your husband? At the bowling alley, looking for love in all the wrong places. (laughs) that's kind of fun and it was love at first sight kind of thing yeah he had the i go for that bad boy look right he had earrings he had the rings he had the long hair he had the long leather jacket he looked like john bon jovi and i was like ooh, bad boy oh my gosh yeah i was attracted to him just like that so it was kind of love at first sight that's funny yeah oh wow and you got married at what point did you start getting pissed off? Like that is intriguing to me to like, what did that feel like? And how was that just like an underlying tone all the time? Like, how did that go? I think it was a slow burn. Like it was a slow burn of me losing myself in that relationship. And it was like, the more I settled, the more I compromised, Mm. the more I waited, the more I tolerated, right? All those things. Over the years that we were together, I just kept losing and losing more sight of who I was and what I wanted and kept telling myself that it was okay that I didn't get what I wanted. Like, it was like that, you know, because again, he had two children from a previous marriage. I mean, the relationship with those children, that it was a very tumultuous relationship with the children between his ex and us. And I jumped in to be the referee between he and his ex-wife and you know, always trying to be the fixer, uh-huh. the fixer, the fixer, you know, I can fix anyone, you know, and that was the thing. I was doing my best to try and fix everyone, but I can't fix anyone. But I didn't know that for many years that mm-hmm. I spent so much time and effort and it was just tearing me apart emotionally. I was a wreck. I mean, I would go in the bedroom and shut the door and just cry on my own. Mm-hmm. And I would pretend that, that I wasn't crying. It's like, you know, they knock oh, over. Really? What are you doing? It's like, oh, it's just changing. You know, you know, I would just, you know, because I didn't, I wanted to put on this show that I was this, you know, wonder woman that, you know, didn't crack, didn't break, was always happy, was always the helper, the fixer, the mom, the driver, the cook, the cleaner. I mean, I was doing everything for everybody. And it was, like I said, I can't say it was any one thing. It was just like the slow burn of he and I just really just growing apart. I remember I ran a marathon in 2000. Yeah, because that was the year. It was the year after, or no, 2002, whatever year it was, but it was a year after my dad passed away. And I trained for a whole 11 months to get ready to run a marathon, which is no, not nothing. I mean, 26.2 miles is 
a long way to run. Okay. So, and I remember yeah. I picked, I specifically picked a marathon that was close to home and flat because I didn't want to run on hills. And I, you know, gave my husband, you know, all the information at the finish line where it would be and blah, blah, blah. And so I come across the finish line. There is all three of my sisters and a couple of friends and a couple of acquaintances, but my husband was nowhere to be found. And I was like, where is he? You know? And so I ended up going back home and I said to him, I'm like, where were you? He's like, I didn't know where to go. It was less than a mile from our house. And I had given him a printed out map written out. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, that was really, that was really the beginning of the very end because I was like, wow something I've worked on for almost a whole year that was helping me get over yeah. the death of my father. He doesn't care about that. Wow. You know what I mean? And it, that was when that's I was like, big, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I got to go. I got to go. And I think that's when I really started to really shut off and to him. Yeah. And yeah, so that's kind of where that went. Oh, yeah. there's nothing worse than doing something like that and getting to the finish line and not having the people that you support supporting you yeah yeah it's it's an awful feeling I'm sorry you had to go through that yeah yeah. but it brought you to where you are now so you you said I'm done Mm -hmm. you left your husband and was it instant success Julie for you (laughs) you're so funny (laughs) no in fact it was not surprisingly all success in fact I even went back and forth with him you know, after I left him, I went back and forth for a few years, you know, not moving back in, but seeing each other and being intimate with each other. And, you know, I was very confused for probably a good four years after I left him as to, you know, because I felt so guilty for having hurt him, having the affair, right? I was riddled by guilt. So that was driving my bus was the guilt. I was on the guilt bus. But little by little, I started, you know, reading books like you know, Louise Hayes, you can heal your life. And, you know, a lot of crying. I moved to a new area, created a new circle of friends, tried to reinvent myself a few times and, you know, just trying to figure out who I was again, like figuring out who am I and what do I want? Because I really didn't ask myself those questions. I don't think really ever in my life until that point, until I was in my forties. And Yeah. And so it was a slow process of putting the pieces back together of who I am and what I want and getting clear and being really honest with myself. Right. Not because I had a black belt in lying to myself. (laughs) It's like I needed to just be, I needed to be really honest to figure this out. So it was a process. And I would say it probably took a good six years to really climb out and feel strong again. So yeah, it was definitely a process. Wow. Wow. And you're by yourself doing that, right? So I just imagine me moving to a new area, you know, going to a coffee shop, maybe running into some people, maybe starting some friendships, but how, like the process, finding out who you are, like, is it just baby steps, just reading books and like asking yourself the tough questions? Well, I mean, for me, it was, you know, early on, because I didn't, I have a very strong meditation practice, as I mentioned before we started recording, but I didn't at the time. And so for me, for years, the way for me to work things out was to actually work out. So I would go for a very strenuous hike, for example, and I would take whatever thoughts I was, you know, whatever problem I was working on at the time up that hill with me and cry the whole way and then come down the hill with a lot of clarity around what it is that I wanted to do or create or change in my life because the combination of the movement, the strenuous movement, it allowed my brain to kind of slow down so that I could work some things out. You know, I had such a monkey mind. I still do. So I, I found that working out or an exercise was my portal into clarity for many years until I was able to develop a meditation practice. So yeah, that's definitely, that was my saving grace. In fact, yoga was another thing that I got heavily into during that time. And oh my God, being in a room with 
so many people doing the sweaty, tough flow at the end of the class. Every single time I would find myself just sobbing and nobody cares. Really? Nobody even looks at you. No, yeah, I know. The yeah. yoga classes, they just, they just leave. You know, it's about you. It's not about, in fact, the teacher that I would go to at the time was Brian Kest, Power Yoga in Santa Monica. He would always say, he's like, it doesn't matter what the person next to you is doing. You know, this is not about that person. If you don't know what that person's wearing at the end, they shouldn't because it's about you. So keep your focus right. on you, on your mat. And I'll tell you what, that was one of the best things I ever did was go religiously to those classes two or three times a week. And it was where I worked wow. a lot of things out. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. And ours has no mirrors, which is, you know, I walked in for the first time, like, how can there not be a mirror? How do I know if I'm not, if I'm doing it right, right? And it's not about that because every time you go to that mat, you are a different person. You are showing up to that mat yeah. differently every time. You're going to get something different out of your practice every time. Yeah. So yoga, another thing we have in common. Yes. But okay. back to the story. So, so you then decide I'm going to enter a bikini contest at 50. Well, that's a little bit later. Well, bring us to that. Okay. So what I did is I had gone to fast forward. God, how many years was that? Because I was already with Paul, who I'm with now. And that was in my later in my 40s that I met a woman in Tulum on a yoga retreat with Paul, my partner now. And that we, her and I became friends. And then I saw a change in her on Facebook. And that's when I reached out to her and turns out she was, had become or was for the past year and a half life coaching. And I didn't even know what that was. And so I mm. reached out to her mm. and we started working together, her coaching me. And my mind was blown as to what I was able to figure out and accomplish during the three months that I've worked with her. And I was like, oh my God. So you got yourself a coach. Yeah, I did. Well, I didn't know that I was needed a coach or that I even wanted a coach. What happened was I saw her on social media. I saw her in Facebook and she just looked different. She looked radiant. I mean, she had a light in her that she didn't have when I first met her mm -hmm. in Tulu. And it wasn't that she was thinner or that she changed her hair, nothing. It was like she just looked vibrant and alive and lit up. Yeah. And I was like, I want whatever she's got. And so that's why I reached out to her. <laughs> and then in doing so, found out that she had been, you know, had really turned a corner in her own self-discovery and started, you know, doing this coaching. And that's when I realized during that process, I'm like, oh my God, what she's doing, I feel like I could do and I would love to do. And so that was really what pulled, got me into what I'm doing now. But it was right after that, that the bikini thing happened. And I'll tell you how that happened. I've always had some body image issues. You know, I'm five foot 11. I've always had big muscular thighs, you know, and I always thought I was fat. Right. I always thought I was fat ever since I was, you know, in high school, you know, and I obviously I wasn't. But, you know, what you perceive, that's your reality. I think right? we all, we all have been there. Yeah. Right. So I was at this gym, working out this gym. And there was a woman in there, Joanne, who I'd become just kind of acquaintances with. And, you know, I, she was in relatively good shape, not incredible shape. But I didn't say, you know, a lot of times we're at the gym at the same time. And then. I didn't see her for a while and we, because our schedules kind of weren't matching up. And then I saw her maybe six months later and oh my God, her body. I was like, what? And I came up to her. I'm like, what are you doing? And she's <laughs> like, oh, I'm training for, I'm training for a bikini competition. I'm like, what's that? And I didn't know mm -hmm. anything about it. It was like, you know, kind of along the lines of bodybuilding. And so I went home and did a little Googling and, and I was like, oh, looking at the pictures, these bikinis are like so tiny. And I'm just like, oh, and it was, it, it was scary to me <laughs> to look at that. But at the same time, I was like, oh, that's exciting. I wonder if I could do that, you know? And so I came back to the wow. gym and I said to her, I'm like, so does it matter how old you are? Can you do these at any age? 
And she's like, yeah, you know, there are women who are doing this in their 70s and some in their 80s. I'm like, really? <laughs> she's like, yeah. I'm like, well, I'm only in my 50s. So I'm going to, and I was already feeling old because I had turned 50. I was caught up in the whole thing about, oh, you know, black balloons over the hill birthday cards and all this other stuff. And it's like, I was feeling old. And so I thought I need something mm -hmm. that's going to help me realize that I am in fact young and vibrant and strong and powerful. And I have so much living to do. And so I jumped on that train to do the bikini competition. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I mean, oh, oh my God, wow. it was hard work and it was scary. I mean, think about it, Wendy. You're going to be on a stage in an eatsy beansy bikini under bright lights for the purpose of being judged. <laughs> so it was crazy. I, I could grow up right now. Yeah, that, I mean, I put a towel around me to go swim laps to get to the lap lane. I'm just saying. Yeah. And I'm not actually, I don't really care if anybody looks. I'm just like, yeah, nobody really needs to see that. But oh my gosh, that is, I'm sure there are women listening right now who couldn't imagine in a million years and you couldn't either, No, but you did it. What made you, what made you sign up for that? Well, you know, I don't really know. I mean, I think, I think what it was is that I really wanted to give 50 the middle finger, right? I really wanted to just be like, you know what, Ooh. it is just a number and I don't want to get sucked into this narrative that I'm getting old. And it's like, I just want to prove to myself that I can do this. And so I did it. And I got to tell you, it was one of the best things I've ever done, not only for my body image issues, my self-esteem, but so much for my confidence and what I know I'm capable of. And I, I remember thinking after I did that, like, if I can do this, I can do anything. I mean, because that was like one of my yeah. biggest, one of my biggest fears. I just stared right in the face. And then I came back and did it a year later wow. because I didn't win anything. And I'm my sense of competition that I've had my whole life. It's like, I wanted to win or I wanted to win. So I figured out what I needed to do. I needed to learn how to pose. And so I figured all that out and I did it the next year and I won everything that I entered into. So oh wow, that's so cool. <laughs> so that was like, yeah. so I, I felt really good about that. Yeah. People will have to go to your website and look at these pictures. It's unreal, unreal. And to get muscles like that and to look like that, gosh, I'm just so impressed. So impressed. So you do all this, you sign up for this, you get yourself, you had gotten yourself a coach. How does all that get to where you are now doing what you're doing and doing it so well? Well, I mean, I think, again, it's just like everything in my life. It's like stepping stones, you know, it's stepping stones to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And just, and for me, just being open to the next thing, you know, open to the opportunities, open to and optimistic about what's possible for me. Yeah, because when I first started coaching, I was, I still had a very good paying job. I was selling products into the oil and gas market. Actually, for 10 years, I had that job and it was I was making very good money, but it just wasn't what I was passionate about. It wasn't what I, you know, I wasn't excited about selling explosion proof connectors. <laughs> but I mean, when I would work with a client, you know, like when I first started coaching and I would work with a client and they would have a breakthrough with me. And they would either cry or laugh or shout or whatever. And you could see the change in their face and in their eyes, that knowing, that realization, that shift. I was just, and that was what made my heart pound. I'm like, oh, this is what I want to do, like all the time. And mm -hmm. I could, and I knew I could talk about this stuff all day and never get tired of it. I'm fascinated by people. I mean, I absolutely love people. I love, I think we're interesting. And so, for me, it was like, okay, uh, how do I get from doing this part-time to doing this all the time? And that was another mm -hmm. very scary thing for me. Cause it's like, how will I make enough money? You know, will it, how, you know, cause it's, it's just like anything in life. It's like when it's unknown to you, if you've never done it before, yeah. that's where the fear comes in because our brains want to keep us safe. It's like, nope, you want to go back to the familiar. 
get back into the pattern, get back into the mm-hmm. habit so that we know where we're going. And it's like, that's what I've learned is that when something is scary and exciting, that's my green light to go. Because even though uh-huh. it's scary, if I have the excitement around it too, I know it's right for me. And I've had to learn to trust that. And that and it, it isn't easy to trust mm-hmm. that. I'm not going to lie. But I mean, the more that I do that, and I'm all sweating now, I'm talking about <laughs> the more that I do that and trust <laughs> that feeling, I have never been disappointed with it. I mean, so many wonderful things have That's come out of trusting that feeling. It has to, it's just that combination of fear and excitement. That's like, oh, I got to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you were working with someone, you did this competition. And then at some point, was it because you were working with this lady that you said, I can do this and I have something to offer? Yeah. And you, you jumped in at part time and how did you get a client? Like, that's scary. Yeah, I'll tell you. Here's what happened. Well, when I remember talking with her on one of our calls and I said, you know what? I go, I really think that I could be a coach. She goes, well, you have been coaching yourself for the past several weeks. You know, like I would, we'd be talking about something and then I would, I would correct myself and I would reframe it and say it in a positive way or in a way that is actually serving me rather than tearing me down. And you know, it's just because so much of life is how we interpret it. It's like, is this glass half empty or half full? I mean, that is so much what the name of the game is. It's like, how can I look at this that it's happening for me? Right. And so I remember I said to her, I go, I think I want to be a coach. She goes, I think you would be a wonderful coach. And so I remember the day I walked into my bathroom and I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I'm a coach. And I was like, oh my God. And again, scary, exciting. That scary, exciting feeling came rushing in. And I'm like, I got to do this. So I remember I was at the same gym and whatever I was working out and I'm very personable and friendly and I'd see people across the gym and I'd smile at them or whatever. And I had this woman came up to me and she's like, you've got something. I don't know what it is. You have a light inside of you. And I was like, just like I had seen in the woman that oh, I hired. Like and I was like, oh, oh my gosh. God, I've got the light. And so <laughs> she's like, and, and so she goes, what do you do? And I was so scared to say it. I go, I'm a life coach. And I remember I held my breath after I said it because I was like, I'm a life coach. And she was <laughs> like, oh, she goes, oh, and she wasn't familiar with it. So I explained to her what a coach is. And she's like, well, I'd like to work with you. And I'm like, I was like, oh my God, you put it out there. And I didn't know what to charge. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was like, I'm going to do it. And I fumbled my way through and I just, it was funny within two weeks of saying it to myself in the mirror, I had three clients all from the gym. Oh my gosh. And, you know, I, I think I was charging like, I don't know, $20 a session. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm like, what am I doing? But it was really a a fun journey. And every time I did a call, I just got so lit up and so fired up about life and what I was doing and how I was making a difference and changing people's lives. And it's like, this is what I'm meant to be. And just kind of snowballed from there, you know. And in fact, to this day, I have not once gotten a client who I didn't have referred to me by somebody else that I had already worked with or a colleague or a friend or somebody. So all of my business has been from people who are acquaintances or referrals. So that's the best kind of business to have, but I still want to be able to, to convert cold traffic, you know, from, but I'm, I mean, I'm obviously very blessed and happy with the level of business that I have, but I, you know, I want to grow it too. So, but it's just interesting how yeah. it's evolved the way that it has. So I'm very pleased. I'm very grateful and super happy with what I do. Absolutely. So how did the book come about? Okay. So I've always thought, well, first of all, I wanted to have a podcast. Okay. I wanted to do a podcast because I was like, I have something to say. You'd be great on it. You'd be great. So you should have a podcast. Well, that's, I wanted to do a podcast because I was like, I have a lot to say. I want to share my story. I want to talk about blah, blah, blah. And so 
recorded, I think maybe four episodes. And then I scared myself off of all of the technology because it was just like, it was at the time, because now it's, it's way different than it was, you know, even four years ago, five years ago, whenever it was, I was going to start. It's way different now. But I scared myself off of the technology. I'm like, I can't do it. I let it, I let it go. But I still had this niggling feeling that I have a story to tell. You know, I have a story to tell, like just an ordinary or an ordinary woman, in my opinion, an ordinary woman, you know, doing something with her life. Right? I just wanted to share my story. So anyway, I had been kicking around the idea and I actually was reading this book by Pam Grout called E Squared. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a hmm. wonderful book. No. E Squared by Pam Grout. And she also okay. has E Cubed, which is the follow up to the book. So in E squared, she gives you nine simple experiments to prove to you how powerful you are and how you are connected to the universe, you know, and she Ooh. has you do things like you plant seeds in an egg carton and you intend the right row to grow faster than the left row. And it does. And <laughs> you're like, whoa. I mean, so Stop it. I highly recommend that book. It's one of those ones okay. that I think it should, everyone should read that. But anyway, she would always have you say, you know, ask for something from the universe and ask for an answer within 48 hours. And so I remember I was on the treadmill at the gym and I had been thinking about writing a book and I was like, okay, I'm just going to ask the universe. It's like, all right, if I'm meant to write a book, I need an undisputed sign, like something that can't be mistaken, like undisputed sign in 48 hours. And then I just let it go to the universe. And so fast forward, I think it was like 52 hours later, <laughs> I get a phone call from this woman. Well, what was the sign? What did you want? Did you have like what you wanted the sign to be? Well, I'm going to tell you that's what's happening. It was 52 hours okay. later. I get a call okay. from this woman who I had worked with in Atlanta. Okay. Her and I were colleagues and we be kind of became friends. And she was calling to tell me that she was shifting departments and that she wouldn't actually be dealing with me anymore, but wanted to say it was so great working with me and blah, blah, blah. Right. So we're talking on the phone for, I don't know, like 20, 20 some minutes, 25 minutes or so. And there comes that time in the conversation where there's like that lull, you know, where it's like, well, take it easy, you know, like, you know, that kind of thing. And that that time came and I was inhaling to literally say that. She goes, you know what? I go, what? And she goes, you should write a book. And I was like, what? I'm like, where did that come from? I didn't say anything to her. And she, she goes, well, you know, over the years that we've worked together, you've always had such great, you know, stories and advice and you're so open and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just really think you could write a really wonderful book. And I'm just, I like crying. And I, then I told her, I'm like, you're not going to believe what no. I told her the whole thing. So that's how I knew that I, in fact, I even put a, something at the end of the book to thank her for <laughs> being the one to bring me that sign. And so I ended up joining. Oh, I didn't get to that part yet. Yeah, I joined a book writing group because I needed another sign because I, even though I got that sign, which is clear as a bell, I still didn't do anything. So it was two weeks later, I see something come up on my newsfeed on Facebook from my original coach. And she had already written a bestseller mm. book and she wanted to write another book and she wanted to do a book writing group. And that came up in my feed and I'm like, okay, universe, that's two signs. <laughs> so I joined her book writing group and me and four other ladies birthed our own book babies. And yeah, it was an interesting experience to write a book. I mean, it's definitely scary and exciting. Again, something I went yeah, after. things you jump right into very scary to share, you know, because my book is very raw and vulnerable. And I said, mm-hmm. said it like it is. And then I, I remember right when I was writing, I'm like, oh my God, my mom's going to read this. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Exactly. She's that's read it, okay. so she's all right. But that's how the book came about. So yeah, the reason I asked if you had a clear sign is some people in the podcast have said, so I asked for a sign for the universe, same idea. And it had to be a yellow car or an orange butterfly or something. So I didn't know if you had a thing, Mm -mm. but it sounds like you left it open-ended. You just, whatever was going to seal the deal for you, you were open to and you wanted to have that happen. And it did. That's so cool. Well, it had to be be undeniable, you know, so someone saying, 
you should write a book is about undeni- as undeniable as you think it's for a sign. I was like, okay. Exactly. One of the many reasons for this podcast is to collect, connect, and share information that will add to your life. It is my honor and pleasure to share products with you that I buy, use, and believe in that are high quality, sustainable, responsible to our earth, and that actually work. One product I have been using for almost a year now, every day, and now twice a day with the diagnosis of my Lyme disease is collagen. Collagen is a buzzword right now because collagen is a protein that makes up 30% of our bodies. And like everything else, as we age, we lose it. Fine lines, brittle nails, dull hair, achy joints, dry skin are all part of why collagen is so essential. So let me share why Elaine Collagen, the brand I use, is in my opinion more effective than what's out there on those shelves. It is easy to use, tasteless, and dissolves into any beverage. It's non-GMO, and it's from cows raised in Spain, and no chemicals are used for its extraction. Bingo, speaking my language. You can experience the benefits for yourself and receive 15% off by using the code SECONDWIND, all one word, at checkout at elainewellness.com. And if you want to know more about Elaine and her second wind story, listen to her episode. The title is Plot Twist. There's no such thing as anti-aging from March 15, 2021. Now back to the episode. So, so here comes along a woman and she thinks that she wants to have the light, the Julie light. And what happens? How do you how do you coach people? What is your secret sauce? You know, it's funny that you asked me about this because I have been getting really clear on what it is because a lot of people are like, what's your unique method? And I'm like, you know, do I have a unique method? And it's like, I do. And I've actually clear, I cleared out what it is and I've written it down. So I'll just turn to my notes. <laughs> it's definitely... Well, it's, it's funny when you write it down because it just comes so intuitively to me. But basically, it's like a five-step thing. So first yeah. of all, the very first step is you have to wake up. Okay. You have to wake up and be honest with yourself and check in, you know, and figure out, like, get your starting point. Like, accept what is. It's like, okay, here I am. Nice. I, I want to either I want to leave my husband. I want to change jobs. I want to move. I want to lose weight. Whatever that is. Just figure out your starting okay. point. Okay, here's your starting point. Okay. Next, next, you have to become a seeker, a seeker in your own life. Because as you are raising your awareness, start looking around your life for the patterns, right? You just have to raise your awareness because so uh-huh. often we're on autopilot. You know, and again, everything we do is a habit. Mm-hmm. We have to become aware of our habits, aware of our patterns, right? And so, Becoming Mm -hmm. a seeker, meaning become curious. And it's not about judging yourself like, oh, I can't believe I did that pattern again or I did that habit again. It's more like, oh, so I did it over here in my relationship and it's over here in my job. And here it is with my family. It's like it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, start noticing, just becoming aware of what it is that you're doing. Thinking and feeling. Question everything. Okay. Next, you have to give yourself a gigantic shot of optimism. Because once you discover all the patterns, it's easy to get sucked into thinking, oh, like it's too much. I can't change all that. It's impossible. I'm too old. It's too late. I've run out of time. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like you have to just, (sighs) you have to believe in possibility. You have to believe in possibility. You have to make yourself become optimistic about life because our world is filled with pessimism. And optimism is the answer to everything, okay? So you have to believe in possibility and with that, create a vision for yourself of what it is you want to create for your life. Next, you have to be that person right now. So it's like if you want to be the fittest person you've ever been, the fittest, healthiest person, it's like, what would she be doing? What would she be eating? How would she walk? How would she talk? You know, what mm. What would she be putting in her grocery cart? What would her schedule look like daily? What would her, how would she move her body? How much would she sleep? How much would, you know, all of those things. You have to become that person right now. It's like become that person now. 
And because that's going to be your, wow. that. so for me, when I call myself a feel good junkie, right? It's like my North star. Cause women are always asking me, how can you be in such good shape? You know, how, how are you so fit at 56? And that's like, I just go after what makes me feel good. And so for me, what makes me feel good is eating certain foods, right? Cause I know when I feel bloated, right? I know what food keeps me up at night. I know alcohol keeps me up at night, right? I know, I mean, I know all the things because I've started paying attention to what actually makes me feel good, whether it's relationships, the work that I do, how much water I drink, how much time I spend with my partner or my family or whatever, doing things out of obligation or not. All of these things, it's like I go after feeling good. That's it. It's very simple. And if you're honest with yourself, I'll bet you'll find you're doing a lot of things that actually don't make you feel good. And then that's your work is to figure out what are you telling yourself? Because again, coming from Mm. a a recovering people pleaser, this was a huge amount of work for me because so much what I was doing was not making me feel good. Right. Okay. So the last step, Mm. the last step is obviously massive action. You got to take massive action, but there's one more piece to the massive action. You must review your wins on a regular basis. This is how I start every one of my coaching calls with every client. It's like, what are, what are your wins? What is working? Because we're so, we're actually programmed to look at what's not working. It's like, you have to gather new evidence daily that you are in fact moving towards that person that you want to become, right? So if you're not looking for new evidence, It's you need that for motivation to keep going. It's like, oh, I did that. And I don't care how small it is. It's a win. Everything's a win. If you're, you know, worked with a lot of women around releasing weight, you know, it's like if you ate a half a sleeve of cookie instead of a full sleeve, that is a win. If you had ice cream (laughs) instead of three, that's a win. I mean, you got to, you have to gather evidence as to what is working. What is working? What's good? What is working? Where, what's a win? I mean, I- Julie, that's so, so good. That's so good. And it's so funny too, because when I start getting it down about like, well, you know, how do I click the podcast to the next level? And, and it's growing and it's great, but you never know, right? Like, what do you compare yourself to? You, so, yourself And then yesterday. when I start just, lit, yeah, yes, yes. Now I know, but I'll just be kind of like, hmm. And then I promise you every time, I'll get an Instagram message or a Facebook message or an email and somebody I don't even know, mostly people I don't know, will say, wow, I really loved that podcast last week. That helped me so much. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to tell my friends about it. I'll always get something like that that reminds me, oh, okay, yeah, keep going. And, it, and yeah. it's like, the universe put the win there. Yeah. But to actually look around and look for wins, I wonder how much more effective that would be. That's such a good way to look at that. Right. And, you know, I, you know, another thing I'm always saying to my clients, you know, because when they, they'll inevitably go into a downward spiral, oh, I didn't do this. I didn't do this. It's like, okay, snap out of it. It's like, what if, snap out of it, right? What if just starting a question to yourself, like, what if the fact that I didn't work out today was because my body was actually really tired? What if I fell into that pattern again because I wasn't really honest with myself about what it is I really want? What if, you know, it's like you have to ask yourself questions that lead you up to the possibilities, right? You have to continue to add or even starting a question to yourself. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if, or wouldn't it be awesome if, I looked at myself as a change maker with my podcast. What if, right? What if, or wouldn't it be mm-hmm. cool if mm-hmm. I could appreciate all the work I've done in these 97 episodes? What if, I, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if you ask yourself quality questions, your brain is going to answer whatever you ask it. So if you say, uh, why do I suck? Your brain's going to answer that question. If you, <laughs> if you say, you know, Oh, because of this. Right, right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tell you all the things to confirm that. It's like, but if you give it something open and up and uplifting, it's like, 
what if I am actually really great at doing a podcast? What if, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and then you, it just leads you up. Your brain is going to answer whatever you ask it. You have to ask yourself quality questions to keep yourself moving up in the spiral. That's it. So that's the kind of things that I talk about all the time. And obviously, I mean, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I just want to hear more and more and more. You have, I'm sure you have many, many, many stories, but give me an example of like when you knew you were in your purpose. Do you have a particular client that just resonates with you as, yes, this is exactly what I'm doing, what I'm doing? Yeah. I mean, like I said, the woman that I'm working with right now, I've been, well, every client has felt like that in, in some way or another. Well, actually, I've got two or three clients right now that are real. I think it's funny as I evolve and change and grow and become more of who I am, my clients evolve and grow and change with me. So I attract a new caliber of woman as I continue to grow. So the more that I believe in my greatness, right? Because this is my journey too, to believe in my greatness, right? And I, in fact, I had a sticky note here forever on my desk. I've moved it. Oh, here it is. Because this was something I had to remind myself. It's like confidently talk about the work I do and the transformation it brings every day, everywhere. Right. Because it's like, I know yeah. I am bringing change and transformation to the women's lives that I work with. But I even forget that. Right. I have my own work that I'm mm. continuing to do. And that is something that I've incorporated into my practice is that I share my own stuff because I always teach mm. and coach from my own experience because it's my own lived experience. So I don't have to feel, you know, nervous about sharing something because it's my truth, right? It's my lived experience and right. nobody can argue with that. And so when I come from that place, I am like the rock of Gibraltar. But it's really, as I said earlier, it's like when I, and I just had this happen earlier this morning, when I see a client's faith light up with that deep knowing, right? That, you know, because you hear things and you go, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. And then you hear something and you go, oh, and that's when it becomes a part of you physically. It gets into your belly and you're like, I know that. And then you cannot unknow that. And that, it, to me, is true wow. transformation because it's like, oh my God, I know. Right. I had one of those breakthroughs not long ago. In fact, I even put it here in my journal to mark the page massive breakthrough. <laughs> and it was something more, <laughs> where I realized it's like, I am everything right now. Like I am everything that I desire right now. I am right now. It's because all time is all right now. And I, mean, I don't know, that may not make any sense to your mm -hmm. listeners, but it was a massive breakthrough for me to recognize that rather than thinking I have to get there, it's like I'm already um, there. It's already right now. It's like I just, I'm raising my frequency to realize that is who I am. I don't know if that makes sense, but I wrote a lot about it in my journal. It does. <laughs> it absolutely makes sense. You have honed in on your client base now, you said, is pretty much women over 50. Yeah. 50 and up. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. What are you coaching them on? Usually it's around reinvention. It's really about stepping into their power, tapping into their power, finding new purpose. And opening up to possibilities, because I think that as we get older, we shrink, right? We shrink back and we think, oh, mm. my time, is, my time's over. It's like, I'm 56. I'm thinking I'm probably going to live another 40 years, right? 30 to 40 exactly. years. It's like, what am I going to do with another four decades? It's like, I'm going to do a lot. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do because I have so much wisdom yeah. and knowledge and understanding and self-acceptance and self-love now that I can teach that to other women because that's the secret sauce. It's like the more you love and accept yourself, everything just starts to mm -hmm. fall into place in your life. Because when you love and accept yourself, you don't tolerate people who don't love and accept you, right? You don't tolerate being disrespected. You know, it's like everything starts from you and this is all that you have control over. And that's, I'm always bringing the women back to them because 
they have been running their lives by responding to what's happening out here, right? Mm -hmm. And this is all we have no control over. What do we have control over? Right here, ourselves. That's it. You're helping women open the door to their second wind. 100%. It's exactly what you're doing. 100%. It's awesome that you're doing that. You're taking, I'm bringing it to the platform and you're giving women another way to get there. Yeah. Because maybe they're stuck. Maybe some, they just need another little bit of coaching. They need coaching right. to get there. They need someone else to believe in them, to show them that they're worthy and that this is a good thing. And it, you're not hurting anybody. You're helping everyone around you by finding that self-worth, that passion and that love. And you're right. Everything does fall into place. The minute I got rid of expectations and just accepted everything that's in front of me for what it is and just go for it, whatever that is at that moment. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You can't be upset if something happens. You can't take some something that somebody says in a bad way necessarily because you're like, well, I didn't have expectations anyway. Right. So let them say that. Yeah. I mean, whatever, good. whatever people say, I mean, I always think to myself, it's like, you know, I look at everyone through the lens of they're doing the best that they can with what they have to work with, meaning their life experiences up to this point and the beliefs that they have about themselves, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, mm-hmm. and I have to give myself the same grace. I'm doing the best that I can with the experience that I have up to this point. And I know I'm only getting better. I'm improving, I'm learning, I'm growing because I am open and I'm optimistic and I'm open to the possibilities. I mean, and I think that is, that's something that I infuse into every single woman that I work with because that's what I find is lacking. Like when we get, when we get frustrated and angry, it's when we feel like we don't have any choices and we always have right. choices, right? Right. We always have choices and it's just about doing what's right for you. Yeah. So often the women I work with are, are still trying to manage the feelings and emotions of everyone around them. And they've never been able to do it, Mm. but they still keep trying. And it's like when they set themselves free from that and just recognize what they are responsible for, it sets them free. It's the most beautiful thing to see. It's like, then they aren't responsible anymore. It's like for their grown children, for their, I mean, you name it, their husbands, right? I mean, and we train the people around us how to treat us. They do. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. And pathways of communication open up and you're like, ooh, I wish I had done this earlier. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. So exciting. So glad I found you. Oh. How do people get in touch with you? Yeah, I think, well, I have a website and it's my business name is itsabouttimebaby.com. So that's my website. But I do the most of my interaction on Facebook in my women's group, which is called Women Over 50. It's time. And this time it's about you, which is, of course, the title of my book as well. And that's got a, a little nice. over 7,200 members now. So it, it's a growing group. So, but that's where I put all of my stuff. That's where I'm, you know, putting all of my, you know, I do trainings. I do little mini retreats on there. I do all kinds of different things in that group. So if you guys want to find me, that's probably the best place to go because I'm very active in that group. Oh, do the group. Mm-hmm. Definitely sign up for the group. Get the book. Oh yeah, And if you're curious, sign up on Julie's website, sign up for a time to chat with her. Yeah. I'd love to. And just share with her what you're thinking and what you want to accomplish. And she's going to be able to help you get to your goals, whatever those, you may not even have any goals, may not even know how to have goals. And Julie can help you with that. Well, what I found is most people that I work with don't think they need a coach. They just don't. You know, they've, they just don't yeah. think they need a coach. So my recommendation is just have a conversation with me or any coach, really. I mean, I would love to talk to people. I mean, I've talked to people who I can I can tell within 15 minutes on the phone whether or not we're a match or if I could help them or if they mm-hmm. even need somebody to work with. So I pride right. myself on not working with every single person because I want to love what I do and I have to work with people who match me. And so that keeps me in my lane. It keeps me super happy in my work if I'm, you know, if I'm choosy about who I work with because, and everybody should be choosy. It's a very personal 
choice to make to work with a coach, but it's also one of the best decisions I think that anyone could make. Because I think we could change the world if everyone worked with a coach, honestly. <laughs> I, mean, that I agree. I agree. I've had a couple of coaches. Yeah, I work with a coach now. I've worked with coaches and there's absolutely no downside. Yeah. There's no downside. I agree. So, Julie, thank you so much for your time today. Again, wonderful woman coming on this platform, Second Win the Podcast. I thank you so much. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.